I'm Johnny Montabano with a Monty moment as we get you ready for another thrilling weekend of college football action. We're coming off of a week seven that we have a lot to look back on and get you ready for a big one coming up here. But really, we're just two weeks away from the first college football playoff rankings, and we're going to see a lot of changes here over the next several weeks. Every week we come back and do these Monty moments, we're going to likely be talking about a new top four or even top five, top six for those four slots. So as we get you set for this upcoming slate, we have to look back at last weekend for just a moment because it really started early this early, well, late last week, early for the college football week because you had arguably the finish of the year between Houston and West Virginia as Houston stunned the Mountaineers on an incredible last second Hail Mary. This was after the Mountaineers were trailing by 11 with under four minutes to go. They rallied back to take the lead and Houston came down and scored with no time left on an incredible Hail Mary. And that was just one amazing finish. Then you go to Friday night, Stanford rallying from a 29-0 deficit against Colorado, shocking the Boulders 46-43 in double overtime. It was the largest blown lead in Colorado team history. And this was despite the fact that Shador Sanders threw for 400 passing yards and five touchdowns. He threw a lone interception, though, in that second OT. And now the Boulders, they are the Buffaloes, I should say, they're 1-3 in their last four after starting 3-0. and on the season. This was the fourth largest comeback in Pac-12 history. And then if that wasn't enough, on Saturday you had Colorado State coming back from a 30-10 to 10 deficit with under six minutes left against Boise State, and they won 31-30. They threw a kind of a Hail Mary there at the end to tie it up, and then they won on an extra point with no time left. So just that alone was an incredible college football weekend. But then we get to some of the bigger games from last week. You had Washington beating Oregon with no time left left a last second uh, missed field goal there by Oregon and Washington makes a big win there for their squad for Michael Penix and them so now you look at it and you have to think that the Huskies are the favorites there in the Pac-12 you couple that with Notre Dame dominating USC which we know we had warned you about last week and it wasn't even a close game I mean it was 24 to 6 and a half the Irish in their fourth straight primetime game against a ranked opponent uh, took it to USC and really made you know the USC team look made made Caleb Williams look human in that one so an incredible job there from Marcus Freeman's squad and then how about this story out of North Carolina Tez Walker you know if you've been following college sports closely you know about his story with the ineligibility well he was ruled eligible came back for the Tar Heels made a season debut and all he did against Miami was catch three touchdown passes from quarterback Drake May and that propelled them past the Miami Hurricanes and now all of a sudden you think of the Tar Heels, who are 6-0, and and they all of a sudden come into this uh, playoff picture. Now, I still think they're going to have to run the table. They're going to eventually have to get past Clemson and USC, I should say, and um, Florida State. But all of a sudden now, with North Carolina being in the top 10, they all of a sudden become a factor in these uh, college football playoff discussions, which, again, the first rankings come out in two weeks. The other big story from last week, Georgia did get past Vanderbilt, but it was a costly win. They're all... Uh, they're all pro tight end. Brock Bowers suffered an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain being reported. He had surgery, and one of the top prospects on the NFL draft boards. Uh, ex expect not ex not known exactly how long he's going to be out for. The kind of surgery that he is having that is being reported is usually about a four to six week kind of injury. Now, how does that affect Georgia going forward? We know we have they have not really played a lot of big ranked opponents so far. Uh, they've been playing better these last couple of weeks, a little bit more dominant, like the Georgia that we've seen from the past two years. 
But now without their best weapon on offense, that is going to be a very interesting challenge, especially going into these tougher games. And with Alabama beating Arkansas, again, not pretty, but Ar- but Alabama still avoiding that second loss and keeping themselves in this matchup, all in this uh, relevancy in the SEC, with LSU being out of the picture as we know it, uh, it becomes a very interesting discussion there with the Georgia Bulldogs. I still think they're going to be all right, but now if they start going up against some very uh, premier competition there, it could become a bit of a challenge now with, you know, still Carson Beck, who's been better, but you don't really know about him. Now without his best weapon, uh, a good, interesting test there for Georgia coming out. But we look at this top 25 poll. Not a lot of changes in the top five, but we did see that Washington did move into the top five for the first time in six years. And Air Force, the Falcons, 6-0 and on the season. They moved into the top 25. They're ranked for the first time since 2019. But uh, really the big changes were uh, USC dropping eight spots after they suffered their first loss. But really, it's it, it, this should be a very, very interesting slate here. When we look at this top 25... We're still looking for upsets. We're still looking for a lot of clarity. We're going to get some here over these next couple of weeks because when you look at the schedule for this upcoming week, you do have, obviously, the big one happening at noon Eastern, number three, Ohio State against seventh-ranked Penn State. I think that's a game that Penn State really needs to have if they want to talk about themselves in this playoff picture. Ohio State, we saw them not even winning the Big Ten Championship last year, making it to the top four. I think it's going to be a little bit different this year unless you get some more crazy upsets here. But that is a big one. Obviously, we've talked about them all season. The Alabama Crimson Tide, they are home to take on 17th-ranked Tennessee. Not the same situation as last year for either team, really. Number one, this game is at home for for the Crimson Tide. Number two, Tennessee does not have Hendon Hooker or Jalen Hyatt, who obviously went pro. Alabama, we know, still trying to you know piecemeal it together here with Jalen Milrow. Uh, he's been playing better, but there's still some things you've been watching the Alabama games that just don't really excite you. But they're still winning. They're staying alive in the in the discussion for the, the playoff proceedings. Another intriguing matchup, really, when you look at it, obviously in the ACC, big primetime game between 16th-ranked Duke and 4th-ranked Florida State, a matchup where we don't really know the status of Riley Leonard for the Blue Devils. That might make a difference, even if he does play, how effective is he going to be? We know that Duke's played some good opponents this year uh, at home. I mean, we know they they held held it with – they were very close with, with Notre Dame – they beat up on Clemson, but now going on the road to Florida State, a different animal. And Utah and USC would normally be a cool matchup there in the Pac-12, but we know how far USC has fallen. We know Utah hasn't really been the same team that Camp Rising. So good matchups to watch nonetheless. Uh, I bring those up because we're going to pick three games. Now, one of them will be that that Duke-Florida Duke, Duke State game. But I got a couple of other intriguing matchups here against the spread that I will pick that don't really jump to your attention, but when you, when you see why... Uh, that is why we're going to pick them. But as we get you set here for the three picks for week number eight, and again, we get closer and closer here to the first CFP rankings, and as we come down the stretch of this college season, last week was a bummer. We went one and two against the spread last week. Uh, I lost with South Carolina, who was winning by 10 with five minutes left to go against Florida, and it was not a great day there for the for the Gamecocks. Not only did they lose, but then Shane Beamer breaks his foot in frustration. Just been that kind of year for the Gamecocks, and now you know their schedule only gets tougher. I mean, the Gamecocks, I got, I got to tell you, I mean, I look at them. They may not even make a bowl game this year. It, it, it's starting to get that bad over there at South Carolina. But we lost with them. Um, I'm trying to see here. Who else did we pick la- la- last week against the spread? We won one and two. And 
Here, let me get this for you real quick here. Just just to be fair. Okay. Uh Washington State laying the eight. Boy, that was a that was a blow. That was a bad one. It went the other way. Arizona rebounded 44 to 6 win. And we did win with the Tar Heels against the Hurricanes. Uh Hurricanes made it a game, but too much North Carolina. And again, very quietly, North Carolina, I they're gonna have to run this table, but I think North Carolina, if they could do this, they could even be in the discussion here for the final four. Now they're gonna need some help along the way too, but things starting to trend positive there for Mac Brown's squad up up north. But let's give you the three picks here for this week. In game number one, I'm gonna talk about a team that I mentioned in the open. 22nd ranked Air Force. You know, they're they're ranked for the first time since 2019. They're six and zero, one of the few, one of the few undefeated teams still left in college. Uh, they're an 11-point favorite taking on the Navy midshipmen. And the, the the thing I look about in this game from Air Force's squad, squad their starting quarterback, Zach Lalier, Larry, or I should say, he's going to be out a few weeks, according to head coach Troy Calhoun, after injuring his knee in last week's win against Wyoming. And why that's kind of significant is he's the only Falcons player that has attempted a pass so far this season. You know, he's second on the team in rushing, 473 yards, that means with Larry or sideline, senior Jensen Jones is going to probably take over the offense. And Jones has attempted just one pass in his career while rushing for 190 yards and five scores during the past four seasons. Now, they're clearly the better, more balanced team against Navy. But you look at the midshipmen, they're coming off their two best showings of the year. Wins over North Texas and Charlotte. They also have the, fish, the fifth best rushing attack in the country. And that allows it to shorten the game and keep things competitive. In the history between these two schools, the home team has won nine of the last 10 meetings. And from a betting perspective, and we've seen this with Army, Navy, we've seen this whenever it comes to service academy games, the greatest trend are taking the unders in these kind of matchups. And unders in these service academy matchups are hitting, the under is hitting at over 80% dating back to 2005. So when that's the case, and I think this is going to be a matchup here where you're going to see a lot of running, not a lot of passing, I would take the under. And in this matchup, I think Air Force still wins, gets the 7-0, but I'm going to take the midshipman getting the 11 points at home in game one. So Air Force wins, Navy plus the 11 is the play in game one. Game number two, I'm going to... I'm going to go with another team getting points, and that's the Oklahoma State Cowboys here. They're getting three and a half at West Virginia and at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And this is a game of momentum. The Cowboys are coming off their, their bye, so they're rested. They're, the momentum is on their side because they've got two straight wins as home underdogs in a huge swing for their season outlook. And it starts with the offensive line finding itself, and it's allowed quarterback Alan Bowman to settle in. It's allowed their star running back, Allie Gordon, the second to steal the spotlight. And we look at their last matchup against Kansas. If their defense was able to make some stops late. So their offense can stay on the rise and their defense can make things uh, look good, get the ball back. I think, gonna, I think good things are going to happen for them. And then you look on the Mountaineer side. I mean, from their side, how, how do you rebound off that heartbreaker to Houston? They had an extra day to ponder that. I think what they're going to try and do is do what they continue to do best, and that is control the ball. You know, West Virginia is ranked 7th nationally in a time of possession with an average of 33 minutes. They held the ball for 37 in the loss to Houston. So with that all in mind, if West Virginia controls the ball, if you, if the Cowboys score on their end, I, I, I see it keeping inside the number. I'm getting that extra half a point, and I wouldn't even be surprised with the momentum in this one that the Cowboys win this game outright. So I'm going to take the Cowboys... The Oklahoma State getting three and a half. Uh, 
to keep this one close and not even and not even be surprised they win this one outright in game two. Game three, I'm going to go to that big ACC showdown at Florida State on Saturday night on ABC, 7.30 p.m., 16th-ranked Duke and 4th-ranked Florida State. Now, this is kind of a tricky one from a betting side to take because we don't know exactly the status of quarterback Riley Leonard there for the Blue Devils. And this line opened up at 16.5, and it's starting to come down a bit. I saw some books had it at 16.5. As of this, Florida State's a two-touchdown favorite. And I'm still comfortable enough taking Florida State because I look at them and – they have they look they're coming off a very dominant effort effort against an overmatched Syracuse team, 535 total yards, 344 passing, just over seven yards per play, zero turnovers, and nine of 17 on third downs. And their defense was a strong point again, just 261 total yards allowed. And I understand you're going to go up against a very good def a good defense here with the Blue Devils. And again. Duke's been a very consistent team in college these in college football the last couple of years. We don't necessarily associate Duke Blue Devils with college football being good, but they've been steady and consistent here for the last couple of years, and they've been one of the best stories this year in college. Beating Clemson early on, making a game very close with Duke, but the problem I have with them in this matchup, taking them outright, is their quarterback situation because let's say Riley Leonard even does play how effective is he going to be coming off of that kind of ankle injury and going on the road to a very very tough place to play at Florida State Seminoles you know playing their best ball of the year realizing that they've got to keep winning and winning strong to stay inside the top four in the in the top 25 poll and ultimately be in that college football playoff ranking discussion and they played a right against NC State without Leonard out but Here's the here's the thing. They did generate 194 rushing yards, but the other offensive stats were were rough. I know only 107 passing yards, 12 first downs, just over 23 minutes in the time of possession, one of nine on third downs. So it's really hard to see what kind of factor, if any, that Riley Leonard makes. And even if he does play, he's going to be timid. He's going to be rusty off that absence. If Duke was home in this one, I'd absolutely take them getting the two touchdowns. But I think the Seminoles are going to have the advantage at home here, and I think they're going to make a statement win here. So it should be a great game. I'm going to, I'm going to be keyed into this one. But at the end of the day, I, I think Florida State's just the better matchup, and I just don't know how Duke, unless their defense comes up big in some spots here against Jordan Travis, that's the way I can see it inside the number. But I'm going to go with Florida State laying the 14. Kind of a risky play, but I'm not comfortable picking the other two big matchups between Penn State and Ohio State. And even Alabama, who's getting almost 10 points against Tennessee, I'm just not comfortable doing that, but I'm more actually comfortable in this one. So I'm going to take Florida State minus 14 against Duke in game three. So the three picks for week number eight in college football, I'm going to take Navy getting 11 at home against 22nd ranked and undefeated Air Force. I'm going to take Oklahoma State getting three and a half against West Virginia. And in the nightcap, Florida State, the Seminoles laying the 14 against the Blue Devils. For more, like us on Facebook and Twitter at GameOnETB. You can follow me on Twitter at MontebanoNY and also on Instagram. On Instagram, also GameOnETB. You can check us out on our website at ETBPodcast.com from great blog posts from all of our ETB talent. 
Also on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash ETP Network, where if you like our Monty Moments and all of our content, leave us a like. If you're new, hit that subscribe button. And of course, have your notifications set so you never miss any of our content. And if you can't watch us, you can check us out on the go. Wherever you get your favorite podcasts, we are there for you. This has been a Monty Moment. I'm Johnny Montabano.